Welcome to The End Game, a podcast about the positive aspects of aging with grace, with joy, and with purpose. I'm your host, Don Auction. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get on with today's show. My guest today, Betsy Wurzel, has been a caregiver by training and by circumstance. A former nurse, Betsy cared for her mother-in-law, who was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. Later, her husband was diagnosed with early-onset Alzheimer's, and while caring for him, she also was caregiver to her son, Josh, who has special needs. From her experiences, Betsy has started a support group for caregivers on Facebook, hashtag KickAlzheimer'sAssMovement, and produces a podcast chatting with Betsy. Welcome to the Endgame, Betsy. Thank you, Don, for having me on your show. I hope I the connection stays. I keep um, my screen shuts off. Uh, but thank you for having me on. I'm very honored. We will do our best through all of the tech challenges. Um, Betsy, there are not many jobs more exhausting and thankless than caring for a loved one with Alzheimer's. And yet you've done it for two family members. Can you explain to me how it is that you're still breathing? Yes. Um, it's difficult. Uh, it was very hard, especially like with my mother-in-law, because I never heard of Alzheimer's 20 years ago. And even though I worked as a licensed practical nurse, I wasn't familiar with that terminology. Um, it was called other things back then. And when uh, my dad also had Alzheimer's and when my husband was diagnosed and I had a Pfeiffer's diagnosis at the age of 56, it just was, I never heard of early onset Alzheimer's um, and neither did the doctors apparently in my area. And it was quite devastating um, to say the least. I'm sure. Um, especially someone who's really in their prime. Um, I think it's easier to accept when someone's older it's never pleasant, uh, as I know from dealing with my mother. But uh, when they're older, you think, okay, well, they had a long life. They did everything they could do. Uh, when you get it at 56, that's a different story. Yes. Um, the company doctor suspected uh, dementia uh, with my husband, Matt. And she was hoping it would be the type that would be of reversed, like if you know if you have a vitamin deficiency or some kind of um, you know poisoning in your your system, uh, metals, for instance, uh, that maybe it could be or thyroid, uh, that maybe it could be reversed uh, medically. But she feared that it, it it wouldn't be, and she was right, and she didn't have any test. Um, to look at where you know when we went to the doctors and my husband his first mri showed global shrinkage his eeg the brain waves said it was um it was a sign of um dementia suggestive of dementia is what it said and from don from diagnose from getting a proper diagnosis to getting proper end of life care was a battle all the way from beginning to end, which is really uh, a shame. 
would you say that was the biggest challenge uh, to being an Alzheimer's caregiver or were there others? Uh, yes, that's the challenge uh, financially. Um, you know, all of a sudden your income is cut in half, if not more. And it was hard getting uh, used to my husband being at home all the time. <laughs> uh, that was an adjustment. And, you know, each stage that you go through, but with each skill that your loved one loses, uh, we as a caregivers grieve. Um, people with dementia may not like to hear that, but as a caregiver, we do. We grieve for each skill lost. And it's just a, um, it's an exhausting journey. Uh, for sure, it's rewarding, but not all the time it feels like that. Sometimes it really stinks. And uh, we have to admit that. And that's okay to say that. Hmm. It's also kind of 24-7 at some points, isn't it? Yes. Yes, um, it is. My son, who uh, lives at home, and he, uh, Josh was a wonderful caregiver to his dad, um, he really was proud of it, and it was 24-7, especially near the, the end uh, of Matt's life. Had you thought about getting uh, other people to, to help with the caregiving? We, I didn't get help until near the end. Uh, Matt was put on hospice the day after Thanksgiving, and he was, um, just went downhill so fast the help that they gave was of no help at all. So I didn't have help um, until Matt had to go up to the hospice a unit in the hospital. And that's when um, I had help, but Matt was also dying. The hospice, unfortunately, uh, was the home hospice from hell, I call it, Don. It was um, a terrible experience. They didn't believe me that Matt was dying. They thought when he went up to the hospital unit that he was just there to get his medication adjusted. I knew he wasn't coming home. I knew that. Um, but they didn't know that. And then they found out. Um, it was, unfortunately, uh, an awful experience and really want to tell your audience, learn from my mistake, get help, Hi hire someone, um, geriatric nurse practitioner, um, geriatric consultant. Um, there's many um, agencies, if you could afford it, especially to navigate the hospice process. Uh, don't wait till you're at the end of your rope like I did. Plan ahead. I always tell people, learn from my mistakes. Well, that brings me to my next question. Um, I assume that it was your own experiences that have inspired you to do what you're now doing on behalf of other caregivers. Is that is that correct? Oh, yes. Yes. I had to turn my anger <laughs> into a positive and that's what i did i went in my car i figured no one's going to listen to me so i might as well just say how i feel 
and I showed Matt's picture. I tried to educate people about early onset Alzheimer's um, to dispel the myths. It's not an old person's disease. It's not a normal part of aging. And I talked about caregiving and I would submit these videos to different uh, caregiving groups, which I met a lot of people and a lot of people uh, responded back to me and they were said I inspired them. And I never thought it would lead me to where I am today. Uh, Jeannie White, who's station manager, Passion World Talk Radio, saw one of my videos and asked me um, for an interview. And then she asked me to speak on her show that she was starting for caregivers, about caregivers. And then a year later, she said, Betsy, you should have your own show. And uh, I was, I can't do that. And Jeannie said, you, you'll learn, you could do it. And I just, uh, this month is my third year anniversary of chatting with Betsy. Congratulations. That's great. Thank you. And you, Thank you, you do and that every week? Yes. Yes. Um, every week it varies um, the amount of shows I do. I started out interviewing caregivers and then I expanded my horizons thanks to Lillian Caldwell who's the CEO of Passion World Talk Radio, who would send me press releases and say, Betsy, you can do more. You are able to interview other people. And I have interviewed various people, CEOs, authors, uh, entrepreneurs, even a couple of celebrities, um, just different uh, people, all walks of life, trying to help people. My show is to help people no, they are not alone. We often feel that we're alone in how we feel, and we're afraid of being judged. But I want your audience to know they're not alone. Uh, my show is a great resource of a lot of people on who have helped me tremendously, especially this year. Been a wonderful year of inner healing for me, and I just want to help people. That's my mission and my vision, and I created uh my support group hashtag kick alzheimer's ass movement so no one should ever walk this journey alone during or after caregiving nobody should be alone like i was for such a long time so let's talk about some of the 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 heavy emotional burdens that come with caregiving um when when a loved one passes away or succumbs to the disease, is there a sense of relief or are there senses of guilt because you didn't do enough to somehow prevent it? What, what, what feelings run through your head and other caregivers' heads? Well, that's a great question, Don. Yes. Uh, all the above. Uh, you are relieved and then you feel guilty for feeling relieved, but you're relieved that your loved one is no longer suffering. Then you feel guilt. I thought I wouldn't feel guilt. I did everything I could, but I did feel guilty. I felt guilty for picking a horrible hospice. Uh, you feel like, well, if I would have done this and maybe, you know, the woulda, shoulda, coulda's. And all I have to say about that is guilt is an energy drainer. We did the best we could with the knowledge we had, 
let it go. It serves, doesn't serve a purpose. I call it unjustified guilt. And I cried every night for a year. I asked Matt to forgive me. And then I had epiphany on Matt's year anniversary. And I felt Matt was saying, Betsy, I'm not suffering. I'm happy where I am. Let it go and do what you're supposed to do. And um, caregivers do feel guilty. I haven't met one yet that hasn't felt guilty. Um, and then, of course, it's the grieving. And unfortunately, the society we live in, we're not taught to grieve properly. We're not taught how to handle loss. And people say the wrong things. Um, people are uncomfortable around those that are grieving, I have discovered. They don't like for you to mention your loved one's name. And Don, I've been very open about my grieving. I will talk about Matt. And I celebrate Matt's birthday. I celebrate Father's Day. I celebrate my anniversary. Um, I honor Matt's life. And I'll always show Matt's journey and honor his life. And that's what we could do. We can honor our loved one's life. Let's celebrate their life. Right. And your friends still feel awkward or uncomfortable when you do that? Uh, they they might, um, but I just, I know my mother does, <laughs> uh, but I just talk about that anyway. Um, I had someone tell me two weeks after Matt died that I should stop talking about Matt and I should find a cure, talk about a cure. And I said, well, I'm not a scientist, not a doctor. It's not my job to find a cure. And I will never, ever stop talking about Matt because Matt was my inspiration to go into my car, to do my support group, to do the show that I, I do. Matt is the catalyst behind all that. I, I've heard a rumor um that there is life after caregiving. Uh, can you substantiate yes. that? Oh, yes. Or what does yes. it look there like? There is. It's a mindset. Well, it's different for everyone. Um, I will say it's a mindset, Don, to survive and thrive during caregiving. You just have to have that mentality. You're going to get through this. And I did. Um, and there is life after caregiving. It's different. I want to encourage people, find a purpose. Find your passion, um, and then you will find your, your purpose. I'm very fortunate that I have my uh, show. I'm fortunate I have my caregiving group and that I have my son. And I found a purpose. Yes, there's life after caregiving. And yes, caregivers do have post-traumatic stress. I highly recommend grief counseling. I have grief counseling. Uh, people. I encourage people, go live your life. If you have a bucket list, go do it. What's a hobby you wanted to do and you didn't? I also you know, encourage people, hey, if you want to date afterwards, date afterwards. Um, people you know, have different um, or comfortable doing different things at different times. Me personally, I am not ready to date. I would feel really it would feel really strange for me. I, I would not be comfortable at this point. That could change later on. 
but I know people who have gotten remarried or had boyfriends, girlfriends, um, and that's great. And I say, you know, live your life. And I have to say this, Don, nobody has a right to judge how anyone grieves. If somebody lost a partner or spouse and they were caregiving for such a long time, they've been grieving, they have a right to enjoy life. And that's what I tell caregivers. You have a right to enjoy life during caregiving and after caregiving. Don't let anyone stop you from that. Uh, we need to stop the judgment. That's, that's really important. Um, let me ask you one last question. What is the most important piece of advice you would give to other caregivers? Wow, there's a lot, but I will say, take care of yourself. Self-care is literally a matter of life and death, and that's your life, that's your death. So many caregivers die while they're caregiving. Make it a priority to care for yourself, care for your soul, and really you need to take time for yourself, rejuvenate yourself, so you can enjoy life during and after caregiving. And I'm grateful. I'm so grateful and blessed that I made it through caregiving relatively healthy. I thank God for that. Join support groups online or um, in person if you can. Get counseling. I've done. I highly recommend counseling. I had counseling when my husband was like mid-stage, and I get grief counseling now. Counseling, therapy is not a sign of weakness. It is okay to say, I need help. And if you need to take an antidepressant, so be it. Then take it. We need to do what we have to do to survive and to get through. We all reach a low point in our life. And no one knows what life has to throw at us. So nobody should judge anyone for going for therapy, counseling, taking medication to help them. Very good. Betsy, thank you so much for sharing your experiences and, and your passion on this subject with us. You're doing very important work for, for people that truly need support. Well, thank you, Don. And, uh, You're welcome. You, you can learn more about Betsy's work through her Facebook support group, hashtag Kick Alzheimer's Ass Movement, all in one word, or by tuning into her podcast, Chatting with Betsy, on Passionate World Talk Radio, which can be found on your favorite podcast channel. Thank you very much. Thank you, Don. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our free weekly newsletter, The End Game, at theendgame.substack.com. I'm Don Auction, wishing you all the best in aging with grace, with joy, and with purpose. I hope you'll join us for future programs here at The End Game.